and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Jones and Birmingham City Council. The citation for this case is 2023 UKSC 27. And before we begin this episode, I would like to take a minute to dedicate it to someone who left a five-star review on iTunes all the way from Jamaica. Zia AA said the podcast was awesome and to keep the episodes coming, which I surely will. Thanks for leaving such a kind review. And remember, if you would like an episode dedicated to you, then please do take a minute to leave a review on iTunes. The more we get, the easier it is for others to find this resource. Anyway, the background to the case that we're looking at today is gang violence in Birmingham. In particular, the so-called Guns and Money Gang, or GMG, has been around for more than 30 years. Our interest in this group begins in February 2016, when an investigation by West Midlands Police led to Birmingham City Council commencing proceedings against 18 individuals, including the appellant in this case, Jerome Jones, who were said to be members of GMG, or a rival gang. The council applied to the county court under section 34 of the Policing and Crime Act 2009 for injunctions so that the appellants would not engage in gang-related violence or drug dealing. Interim injunctions were granted, which prohibited the defendants from entering a large part of central Birmingham, associating with a number of others also subject to injunctions, and participating in music videos related to the gangs that operate in Birmingham. However, Jones then interestingly applied for the injunction claim to be transferred to the High Court, so that he could apply for a declaration that the injunction was incompatible with Article 6 of the European Convention on Human Rights, the right to a fair trial. To be more specific, the question for the court was whether Article 6 means that the criminal standard of proof, namely beyond reasonable doubt, is required for proof that a person has engaged in or has encouraged or assisted gang-related violence or drug dealing within the meaning of Section 34, Subsection 2 of the 2009 Act. A similar question was also asked in respect of engagement in or threats to engage in antisocial behaviour under Section 1, Subsection 1, of the Antisocial Behaviour, Crime and Policing Act 2014, which was an alternative limb for the original injunction application by the Council. In the High Court, it was held that the proceedings were not in respect of a criminal charge, and so the criminal standard of proof was not required. At the original hearing in the County Court, Judge Wall was therefore correct to apply the civil standard of proof, the balance of probabilities, and satisfied the statutory requirements when granting the injunction. Jones appealed against that conclusion, but the Court of Appeal subsequently decided that proceedings under Section 34 of the 2009 Act did not involve a criminal charge for the purposes of Article 6 of the Convention. Furthermore, the standard of proof required for satisfying the statutory provisions for the injunctions is the balance of probabilities, and that standard is compatible with human rights law. Jones then appealed to the Supreme Court, and we will pick things up there in a moment, but it is important to say at this point he was no longer arguing that the proceedings against him under Section 34 of the 2009 Act 
involved a criminal charge for the purposes of Article 6. Instead, there were two key arguments. Firstly, Jones suggested that the Court of Appeal made an error of law by distinguishing the 2003 House of Lords case of McCann instead of following that authority. For some context, in McCann it was held that the criminal standard of proof was required when handing out an antisocial behaviour order, and so Jones was essentially arguing that this same standard should be applied here as well. Secondly, it was argued that the Court of Appeal may also have made another error of law by holding that the criminal standard of proof did not need to be applied for the first condition under Section 34 of the 2009 Act, and under Section 1, Subsection 2 of the 2014 Act, such that the requirement of fairness under Article 6 was satisfied when deciding whether or not to make an injunction. So, to sum up, the arguments at this stage were slightly different, but still revolved around the right to a fair trial. Let's find out what the justices made of this. They began by examining the authorities from the European Court of Human Rights, but could find none that required the application of a criminal standard of proof in circumstances like these. In fact, it is almost the opposite case such that no rules are laid down by the Convention, and it is something that is left to domestic law. Theoretically, Strasbourg case law could develop in a way that would be more prescriptive, but that is not something that currently appears to be on the cards. Returning to UK authorities and the justices felt that the appellant's understanding of the McCann case I mentioned was wrong. Whereas Jones argued that this decision meant that antisocial behaviour had to be proven to a criminal standard before an antisocial behaviour order or ASBO was made, in fact the standard of proof is the civil standard on the balance of probabilities. As such, McCann does not help the appellant's case at all. Finally, the justices looked at the actual legislation itself. Unfortunately for Jones, the relevant acts explicitly provide that the relevant standard of proof is the civil standard, and so there is no room for the courts to interfere with the express will of Parliament. The justification for using this less onerous standard is the seriousness of gang-related violence, combined with the need to protect the communities that it affects. On top of all this, the legislation does have procedural safeguards built into it, which secure the fairness of any injunction application. In the end then, the appeal was dismissed and the injunction was found to be lawful. Now, it is possible that Jones now appeals his case to the European Court of Human Rights. That court may indeed choose to develop the jurisprudence in this area so that a stricter standard of proof is required in cases like this. The terms of the injunction, in particular the limitation on the movement of the defendant within a large area of central Birmingham, were very restrictive, and therefore perhaps merit greater scrutiny by a court. However, I think that such an outcome is unlikely because, as the Supreme Court pointed out, this is an area where member states are given a great deal of flexibility in how they apply the law. This is a subject that I get into in the newsletter that accompanies the podcast this week. Given the recent decisions around the Rwanda policy, there have been calls for the UK to leave the European Convention on Human Rights altogether. 
One blog for the website Unheard tries to extol the benefits of such a move and, in particular, discusses a return to the sovereignty of Parliament. Now, where have we heard that before? The problem with that argument is that the UK does not lose that much sovereignty by being a signee. It very rarely loses cases, as highlighted by the fact that the author of the piece, someone who is notably on the payroll of right-wing think tank and Conservative Party proxy policy exchange, has to go all the way back to 2005 to find even a slightly meaningful example of the UK having its wings clipped. In truth, the convention is fairly broad, and states are given a lot of leeway to apply the rights as they wish within the context of their own legal system. That is precisely what we are seeing in these proceedings, where the right to a fair trial exists for Jones, but the UK has the freedom to decide how it is applied in specific circumstances. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com for the music. As I just mentioned, the newsletter this week is all about the academic debate surrounding the UK status as a signee to the European Convention on Human Rights, and some of the bad faith arguments being made. If you are interested, then do check out the newsletter at uklawweekly.substack.com. That is uklawweekly.substack.com, and I will also include a link in the podcast description. You can sign up for the free edition there, or if you want to help support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, then you can also get a paid subscription, which includes more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!